Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On this episode, we wanted to continue part two of our discussion on defending the gospel. Defending the gospel. And in the scriptures, we find the translation of the word answer as defense. In the English, we use the term defense And in the Greek, in numerous instances, it means to answer. And as first Peter says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be you always ready to give each man an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within you. That word answer in the Greek is apologia is the same word that we find in Philippians 116. When Paul says, I am put here for the defense of the gospel. He's put here for the defense of the gospel. So as Christians, we are commissioned by God to be ready always to give each man or woman, boy or girl, an answer, a reason for the hope that lies within us. As Christians, God intends for us to move from milk to meat. He desires for us to be able to give a Bible based response to anyone who inquires of us why we do the things that we do why do you go to church service on Sunday mornings you should be able to give an answer to those that inquire about you sacrificing your Sunday mornings to attend worship service then you may have neighbors that may be interested to know Why is it that you sacrifice your Tuesday and Wednesday evenings to visit the church house that you may gain spiritual insights through Bible study? And when someone asks you, why are you doing the things that you're doing? You ought to be able to give a Bible based answer and response back to them. Or someone may ask you a doctrinal question. Someone may want to know Why is it that you believe that there's life after death? Why is it that you believe that there is a supernatural being beyond the natural realm? Why is it that you believe in prayer? Does prayer work? What is the difference between the soul and the spirit? What is the true definition of marriage? And why do you believe that? These questions are inquiries that those that may not be Christians may ask you one day. And we as believers need to be ready, all of us. We have been commissioned by God himself to learn his word. And then we ought to dispense his word to others. So when it comes to Christian apologetics, it's not just left up to a few Christians 
who sit on a uh, ivory tower and learn about doctrine and keep it to themselves. It's not about uh, just the chosen few who've been called to practice apologetics. Apologetics is descriptive. It's for all believers to be able to give a reason for the hope that lies within them. In Acts 22 and 1, Luke writes and records this passage when he says, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. As he's talking about the apostle, the apostle also uh, uses the term defense. Hear my answer that I now make before you, Acts 22 and 1. Then in Acts 25 and 16, we find this passage. I answer them that it was not the custom of the Romans to give up anyone before the accused met the accuser face to face and had an opportunity to make his defense. Again, that word defense is apologia, and that means to answer. We find numerous passages in scripture with this word included. First Corinthians 9 and 3, for example. This is my defense to those who would examine me. This is Paul speaking. This is my apologia to those who would examine me. Philippians 1 and 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Philippians 1 7. You are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Philippians 1 and 7. Then Philippians 1.16, the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel, the apologia of the gospel, the ability to give a answer concerning the gospel. Philippians 1.16. Then 2 uh, Timothy 4.16, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me. But all deserted me may not be charged against them. And my first defense, that's my first apologia, and my first ability to answer for myself. No one came to stand by me, but all deserted me may not be charged against them. First Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for, for the hope that is in you yet do it with gentleness and respect so be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you and if we have hope within us then we have to be ready to give our defense of the gospel our defense concerning the resurrection our defense concerning the nature of Christ our defense concerning the hypostatic union, our defense concerning the divinity of Christ uh, in conjunction with his nature, uh, with his human nature, our defense concerning the physical resurrection versus the spiritual resurrection, uh, which is not the, uh, the case. Jesus rose up physically. So we have to give a defense of our faith. 
Not that we have to apologize in a negative sense of for being Christians, but in the positive sense that we have to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. Then the word apologiomai means the same thing, but in, in, in this context, we personalize it. So it's a defense of oneself. So if someone asks you, why do you believe what you believe? That's where that Greek word apologiomai comes in effect. Acts 19 and 33. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander whom the Jews had put forward and Alexander motioning with his hand wanted to make a defense to the crowd. So he made an apologiomai to the crowd, a defense. Then Acts 24 and 10. And when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation. I cheerfully make my apologiomai. I cheerfully make my defense. Acts 25 and 8, Paul argued in his defense, neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I committed any offense. Acts 26 and 1, so Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his apologiomai, and made his defense. So it's all through the scriptures in terms of the Christian obligation, the Christian ontological duty to make his or her defense. We can't just be silent on matters dealing with life. The dark world needs to see a light. The dark world needs to see a difference. This dark uh, society that we're living in need for Christians to speak up, need for Christians to profess and to delineate where the boundaries are. Christians need to let the people around them know what God's will is for their life. We can't be worried about being persecuted. Persecution is part of carrying the cross that Jesus told his disciples about. Likewise, we in the 21st century must continue to preach the word in season and out of season without worrying about the consequences. For we have uh, a, a greater obligation to our God. And this obligation far supersedes the obligations of humanity. So when man's law conflicts with God's law, it's imperative that we as believers go with God's law. In our last episode, we talked about 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. And Paul wrote, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itchy ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober minded 
endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Not only is this passage uh, written for Timothy, but it's also prescriptive, meaning that this uh, admonition that Paul is giving Timothy is binding upon all men in terms of uh, all Christians. All Christians are obligated to fulfill the things in this passage that Paul talks about. And the reason why we know it's prescriptive and not just descriptive is because we find the same uh, commandments in other passages. We find the same tone in other passages. And whenever you find the same message in multiple passages, then more than likely is prescriptive and binding for all Christians. So we are to teach. We not only are we to teach, we are to teach what is sound, sound doctrine. We are to teach what is who gaze in the Greek, meaning healthy. We are to teach healthy doctrine. We are to reprove. We are to rebuke. We are to exhort. And how should we reprove, uh, rebuke and exhort? We are to do it with patience and uh, humility. We ought to lean on the Holy Spirit as he guides us and moves on us to speak when it's appropriate and be silent when it's appropriate. So Paul tells Timothy, as for you, always be sober minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Suffering is not optional for Christians. Suffering comes whether you saved or not, but being a Christian is advantageous because when a storm comes, it's better to have Jesus on the boat in a metaphorical way rather than him not on the boat. When a storm comes, it's better to know God rather to be alienated from God. When a storm comes, it's better to know his son, Jesus the Christ, with whom peace is accessible than to not know Jesus and go through the storms without that benefit, that relational benefit. Paul writes further that uh, I am already being poured out as a drink, as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have loved his appearing Paul is at the end of his ministry but yet he's encouraging Timothy we need to defend we need to be bold we need to be secure in our faith we need to have temerity and we should not shrink based on what this world is doing and as I said on the last episode, the world is shrinking in on us in terms of our Christian boundaries. The things that we believe in, the world is fighting back. The world is telling us that we're wrong, even though God has already prescribed for us what is wrong and what is right. So we can't shrink. We can't be so politically correct that we can't tell the truth anymore. We got to stand right where we are. And the more I hear of Christians being persecuted, 
the more I realize how much God's prophecy is coming into fruition. For example, in 2013, we learned just last year that a Florida Atlantic University professor told his students to write the name of Jesus on paper, then to step on it. This exercise was mandatory and it was a mandatory part of the intercultural communications class. All of the students, according to reports, obeyed except for one student who not only found it offensive, but irreverent and blasphemous. The teacher later argued that the exercise was already in the textbook. The student was disciplined by the professor for his disobedience. However, the school later apologized to the student for the insensitivity of the exercise after the media got hold of it and assigned him the student to another class and they expunged his records in terms of any discipline uh, based on the professor uh, writing him up. And if the media hadn't gotten wind of it, this student would uh, would have bared this on his own. And that's not right. Secondly, in May of 2014, a chemistry professor at East Carolina University sent an email to graduates in his department. In the email, the professor forbade graduating students from thanking God during the graduation ceremony. The professor argued that during the previous year, too many students thanked God. In contrast, the school's director of communication informed the public that the professor's stance went against the overall school policy. She stated that the First Amendment indeed allows students to thank God. Moreover, the provost of the school later told the graduates to ignore the teacher's request. So if we don't know our rights legally, if we don't know our civic uh, accessibility, our civic rights, then uh, people will trample not only on our civics right, but our spiritual rights. So the world is converging upon those who believe in God and especially those who are Christians. So we must stand. We must stand for what is right. And as Paul knew well, not only was he a Greek Greek citizen, but he was also uh, a citizen of the kingdom and and he knew his rights. And Paul stood boldly in his knowledge. And we have to stand boldly regardless of how we can persecute. We are persecuted. We must learn to stand. Then just last week, the Benham brothers who hosted a home repair show, were let go by their network, AGTV. Now, why did the network break off this relationship? Well, apparently the brothers are Christians who believe in the biblical view of marriage and relationships. So when AGTV found out about their stance, they let them go. With all of the grotesque things, this is what the brothers say uh, in response to them being let go. They say they were saddened and with all of the grotesque things happen on TV. You would think there would be room for two twin brothers who are faithful to their families, committed to biblical principles and dedicated professionals. They write, if if our faith costs us a television show, then so be it. It is refreshing to hear 
believers who are not ashamed of the gospel, but are willing to go with Jesus rather than what is expedient and politically correct. Personally, I applaud the brothers for standing up for their beliefs. And it reminds me of the narrative involving Peter and John at the Temple Beautiful, which we can find in Acts chapter 5. Upon healing the crippled man, Luke writes, in Acts 4.19, God used Peter and the apostles to physically heal people in Jerusalem. However, the high priests and the Sadducees were not pleased. Luke says, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter as well as John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to, uh, grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name are you doing this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus, the stone you builders rejected which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And likewise, God wants to do some astonishing things through us. We must learn to stand even when the government is attacking us. Stand even when our employers are, are attacking us stand even at home when our family members are attacking us. I pray that you got the message of today's show and it's simply defend the gospel right where you are. And it's my prayer that we all grow in grace as we defend the gospel. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. 
Are you concerned about tensions in the Middle East? Do you wonder where we're currently at in the biblical timeline? Are we really in the last days? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Muller with the Inside the Epicenter podcast. Every week, my co-host, best-selling author Joel Rosenberg, and I answer those questions and more. You'll hear inside knowledge of our meetings with leaders at the highest levels of government in the U.S., Israel, and the Middle East, equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app or go to joshuafun.com to listen and subscribe.